All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back for another episode live in person this week with my good friend Charlie here. Thanks for joining us tonight. We got two viewers already. That's great. Uh, Chef Life Live. I'm your host, Chef Alex Atouche, and this is where I interview people in the food service industry, try to share their stories, give them a platform. Everyone's got a great story in the food service industry, so just trying to shed a little light outside of what you see on the Food Network because most of that's not true anyway. So, yeah. So, Charlie, thanks for being here. Awesome. You're very welcome. Some drinks here. Cheers. Cheers. It's been really nice here in Chicago lately. Today it was kind of rainy, but uh, it's it's not freezing cold out anymore, which is really great. I know, right? Yeah. Oh, somebody waved at us. Brendan waved. So nice. We're also live on Instagram right now for the first time ever, which is kind of cool. Oh, look, more people. They're waving. <laughs> Sorry. I've never done that before. I've never gone live on Instagram, so this is kind of exciting, but... All right. Well, Charlie, why don't you tell us a little about yourself? Where you come from? What do you do? <clears throat> Who are well, you? Well, it all started when I was about nine or 10 years old, actually. Mm -hmm. um, and I would go to the restaurants with my family and my aunt would get so mad at me because I would smell my food. Because you smell your food? Yeah. I mean, that's pretty normal. I don't know, like whenever like I would order like a cheeseburger, I would go, yeah. well, and then she would be like, oh, that's just weird. So I would have to start paying her a dollar. What? Yeah. So don't worry. Like later in life, she ended that's up good. giving me my money back. Oh, that's good. Which is a good thing. Yeah. But um, that's uh, I mean, when I was 16. Who doesn't smell food? That's, that seems. Anyways, continue. Well, when I was 16, I wanted to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And as 16-year-old would do, I was like, okay, well, I really like food, and mm -hmm. I am really good at math. So I'm like, oh, maybe I'll go to business school, or maybe I'll go to culinary school. Yeah. So I decided to uh, go to a local restaurant in my hometown, and uh, my parents were thinking I was going to become a dishwasher or something like that, and I became I mean a line cook. Man, right off the gate, didn't even have to start yeah. the dish pit. I mean, that's usually where a lot of them start. And me being a 16-year-old kid, not knowing anything, uh, I did not negotiate a, a uh, rate. <laughs> Just so for the first right uh, month of me working that summer, I did not get paid, which Oof. is, when I look back of it, it was pretty illegal. <laughs> that's very illegal. Even but, for you not negotiating anything, that's just very... I know, yeah, that's but just really illegal. I found some pretty cool people that I'm still friends with today. Um, nice. And I kind of like fell in love with it. And so I decided to uh, look at culinary schools. And yeah. I went to Johnson & Wales. Okay. Uh, starting in 2011, uh, graduated in 2015 with my bachelor's degree in food service management. And uh, something I really love the most about it is sustainability mm -hmm. and how it's like a big up and coming thing in the industry. Yeah, definitely. So I, that was something that I just poured my life, my senior year of college into. So it was super awesome. That's really um, cool. And then after that, I've just had some pretty cool experiences through my years. Uh, I've, I found, a, uh, I've known a guy that, he would, basically, I would say my mentor, mm -hmm. and he uh, has worked at like a bunch of places downtown. He's worked at 16. Um, I actually met him at the place that I started when I was 18 years old. Uh, oh, nice. The 
restaurant in my hometown. Um, but, you know, as soon as I graduated, I lived down in Providence for a little while, decided that was not the greatest thing. And then 24 hours, uh, I literally packed up my stuff and drove back to Chicago. Back to, so where are you from originally? So I'm from Chicago. Okay. So I'm from Lake Forest, which is uh, like a, I don't know, like 30 minutes north of car drive. Okay. Um, right, yeah. And then, I don't know, I've been doing most of my career in Chicago, which is nice. But the the experiences of work, uh, of going to school out in the East Coast was, mm-hmm. it was really awesome. I mean, the fresh, like, seafood, yeah. that was amazing. I'm sure. I, I would have to say. Like, I've been up to Maine. If I could, I would move to Maine. Really? Because that is... It. Have you ever been to Maine? I haven't been to Maine. I haven't spent much time on the East Coast, other than being in Florida, which isn't, like, East Coast. It's just technically yeah. on the East Coast. I mean, it's, you know, South. But I would just, like, when you have a lobster and you're in Chicago, it is... It is... I... You're going to lose it, me on a lobster. I don't like lobster. I cleaned enough of them. I think they're gross. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I just don't. They're, they're, they're bottom feeders. I don't think they're like a crab, though. I can get down on some crab. I think mm. that's good, but I don't do lobster. <laughs> so you, you're you from here yeah. in Chicago, and then you went to Johnson & Wales, which is in Maine, right? Is that, uh, or no? no? So it's in Providence, Rhode Island. Okay. That's in Providence. Okay. And uh, my mom's going live with us or something. One of the coolest things about going to school um in providence rhode island is that the state is really small yeah they're known for their uh um quahogs which is their clams right so they get fried clams family guy super good all right and and there's a town in the southern part of rhode island Mm -hmm. which is newport Okay. And if anybody's familiar with Newport, I mean, that place is just super, like, really bougie. Yeah. But the food and, like, the stories behind that, the town are amazing. Mm -hmm. And I've never had, you just can't replace seafood when you get on the East Coast. I mean, that's fair. I mean, even being in Jacksonville, like, they're, where Jacksonville is, or like Mayport, is known for their shrimp. Mm-hmm. Um, Red Snapper is really good down there. I mean, it's more warm water, obviously, than like up north in Maine because lobster yeah. is more of a cold water thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I definitely know what you mean with uh, you know, good seafood on the coast, obviously. And I know East Coast is known for their seafood, but if you're like some East Coasters, I won't name who you are. <laughs> you don't like seafood, which is weird. It's fair, but. So you come back to Chicago, mm-hmm. and you know what, what's your what's your goals when you were coming back? Like, what were you trying to do? So, I I came back um, because uh, in when I was working um, in Providence, it was just it was just a weird like gray area that I had in my job, and I just kind of wanted to find a place that like. I had a connection to like my family mm-hmm. and a little bit more a connection to like the city that I kind of grew up in and kind of experienced. Yeah. Um, and so I, you know, as I said, I took that 24 hour window, mm-hmm. drove back back and started working for my um, good friend up in um, 
at a Kemper Lakes Golf Club, which okay. was interesting. Uh, I've never really worked at a country club before, but it was it was very interesting. You know, he comes from a big uh, restaurant background, mm-hmm. and so the food he was making was restaurant quality. I was trying to make it that, trying to elevate it with him. Yeah, but people were loving it, but a lot of the other people that were a part of it didn't really understand that they didn't really under, they can't really understand. Yeah. When you get, when you talk about uh, country clubs, like I worked at a country club, like a pretty well-known one in mm-hmm. Jacksonville. And it's kind of the same thing. Cause you have these people who have been members for years and years yeah. and years. So like, they're not looking for the next elevated food trend. They just want what they've known and what they've come there for. It's basically just meat and potatoes. It's, it's true. It's just what they want. The occasional whole fish. We had a couple that would come into TPC all the time. They wanted the branzino. Like we always had to have branzino. Mm-hmm. They always got fingerling potatoes. I think asparagus and like something else. Um, but uh, every time, and that's what they wanted. Didn't care what the specials were. Nothing. Wait, we have a qu- we have a question. If you could be a shellfish, which would you be, and why? That's from Instagram. For all of these you watching oh on YouTube, gosh, that is... if you could be a shellfish, I could be a shellfish. Um, I would. A crayfish is a shellfish, weirdly enough, and I love them. You know what I learned from last week's episode? Scorpions are shellfish. Fun fact, because the chef who I had on last week is allergic to shellfish, and he did a Food Network show. And it, he had to do something with scorpions and he had to like, he had to make sure he wore gloves and everything. Cause I, I think he said it's a shellfish or at least a crustacean of some mm-hmm. kind like, yeah. And I was like, that's crazy. That was crazy. So food for thought. And so I there would, you go. And I would say. That's from Paul. You remember oh. Paul? Oh yeah. Yeah. I would say crayfish and to answer your second part of the question, why is because they're just going about their business in rivers yeah. and enjoying life. Plus they live in the but south. They really, yeah, and they, and they also taste good. I don't know if ever, yeah, I've had crawfish or crayfish, however you say it. I know I've had it. I can't remember. I, I know some people don't like them because they say they taste dirty because they're also, they just live in the mud. It's true. They're just bottom feeders. Just like, but you know, catfish and all lobster, people love that stuff. It's like, just, do you like mussels? Oh, I love mussels. I know it's the same thing, but like mussels, Mussels taste good, and lobster doesn't taste bad. I've had good lobster, mm-hmm. but working at TPC, I had to clean so many of them. And when you cut open a freshly cooked, that was just live mm-hmm. lobster, they're disgusting. There's so much bile and disgustingness oh, yeah. in their bodies, and it's just like it's disgusting, and I don't want to eat it. I will say that the best part of a lobster are the knuckles, not That's the other body. It's definitely the knuckles. That's really good. I know, and I love making lobster bisque from shells. Really? Oh my gosh. I don't, I don't, I don't care that much for that. Oh, we got another question. I think it's from your sister. What's your favorite meal and why? Mud bugs. See, my mom said mud bugs are crawfish. I'm assuming <laughs> that's what you meant, mom. But yeah. So my favorite meal. So. When people ask me what my favorite meal is, I would say I love scallops. It's one of my favorite things. I know it, awesome. it might be a generic answer, but I mean, it, yeah, there's only one way of making them. And people have made different types of ways. But like there's there's one 
like let me rephrase. There's one way of like you, you can't you can't make them too you can't make them raw, and and you're wrong you, about that. I don't really. You're like wrong that. about that. Oh, okay, I was just okay, about okay. to say like you can totally like uh, uh, scallop. Um, what am I trying to say? Like tartare, or like um, crudo is mm -hmm. delicious. Oh, or, yeah. or just like a very quick like uh, brush with a torch. Mm -hmm. Just get a little, but like it's pretty much still raw. That's delicious. If you get really good like fresh scallops, they're delicious. But I will say that the only other good way to do it is just a good sear with some brown butter. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's delicious. I love scallops. That's probably one. Of, that's probably my favorite like seafood mm -hmm. like, across the board is like a really good scallop. It's delicious. So I'll agree with you there. Mm -hmm. But they definitely can be raw. Definitely sure, be raw. Sure. So, like, I would say a scallop, and then I would do some form of. Um, I know this sounds generic, but I I love purees as much as they're used. I would love purees, and I love butter poached vegetables. I mean, yeah, who wouldn't love butter poached vegetables? I know, but I'm I'm talking about like, you know. I want some clarified butter. Yeah. I love my clarified butter. Who doesn't? And I love my Brussels sprouts. Vegans. Brussels sprouts are good too. Brussels sprouts can be tricky because they can get, like I, I personally feel, sorry, somebody just, this is, David Wagner is uh, my very first chief in the Navy. What did you teach me? About scallops? Chief? <laughs> I don't remember that. I'm sorry. Um, what was that? Brussels sprouts. They're I love them when they're like a really hard roast when they're like really crispy. I feel like that's the best way to do Brussels sprouts. Like mm -hmm. steam is good and like poach is good too. But when they got that char on there, mm -hmm. I feel like you can't beat Brussels sprouts with a really good char. But that's just me. That's fair. But I mean, obviously, anything poached in butter is going to be pretty tasty. Yeah, what's your opinion on sous vide? I love sous vide. I use sous vide but, all the time. But what's your favorite thing at sous vide? Hmm, that's a tough one. I've done quite a few things sous vide and just like trying them out. Like I have a video on my YouTube channel. We sous vide pork butt for pulled pork. And it was some of the best pulled pork I've ever had. Like we smoked it first and then we sous vide it and it was absolutely incredible. I've done ribs sous vide and they were really good. Do you prefer any types of chips when you smoke your? I'm not, I don't, I can't really say I prefer a specific kind for smoking. I'm not like a true pit master or barbecue mm -hmm. person. Um, I mean, hickory's good. I, you know, any, I'm, I don't have a favorite, I would say. But as far as sous vide goes, it's, I mean, it's, it's just great. It takes, true. yeah, it just takes, um, uh, thanks chief. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, sous vide is great. I love doing it at home. It's really great for when I do private events for certain things. And it's, mm -hmm. it's just like another like team member. It's going to be consistent every time mm -hmm. they, you put something in there and you don't have to worry about it. It's going to come out. Okay. And I think it's great that, I mean, it, I know there's people who are purists and think that it's, the devil and they should do things the way things have always yeah. been done but it's like anything like you progress with new techniques you yeah. know we're not doing 
the grand cuisine anymore. Like hot cuisine is almost out the door. Like we're, right, right. we're progressing. We're, you know, even farm to table, like that's a standard now. That's not even like, mm -hmm. that's a standard. I just think it's funny when people advertise farm to table and it's like, wait, you're not already doing that. It's like people yeah. want, that's like what going back to the sustainability mm -hmm. of food, people now more than ever, I feel want to know very specifically where their food's coming from and that's how true. I got to their table. Um, so I definitely think, that sous vide just like anything else just regression in cooking and you can overuse it there's definitely you don't have to use sous vide for everything but it's a it's a helpful tool depending on what you're doing yeah but so you you come back to chicago you want to kind of stay true to who you are and your family and the mm -hmm. area where did you go to you said you were at the country club what happened after the country club so i because i was such good friends with my my chef mm -hmm. Um, we would basically kind of like bicker more and more mm -hmm. all the time. And so I kind of was just like, you know what? I don't want to be up in the burbs anymore. I kind of want to experience the city life a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So went on a limb, uh, didn't have a job, moved to the city. Oh man. The with, big, big scary city. <laughs> with, with three of my friends and I was just going like just applying to so many places. Mm -hmm. And I applied to Mott Street. I applied to Lula's Cafe because I, I wanted to work at somewhere that was notable, something that like would pop on my resume. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like Mott Street was super awesome. It was an experience. It was, it was something different. I've never experienced something like they did at Mott Street. So you did work at Mott Street? So I, I, I staged there for like two, three days. Okay. Um, and like their setup was really cool. Mm -hmm. And then they just, I don't know, it just didn't work out. And then I went to Lula's Cafe. And I when I staged at Lula's Cafe, I did not realize how big that kitchen is. Really? It looks really that, tiny. That from whole like... basement is a oh, I didn't know area. Had, I didn't know they had a basement. Storage area. I didn't make sense. Remarkable. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've only seen like a little bit of their line from like eating in there. Yeah. Um, for everyone who's watching who doesn't know what a stage is, it's basically a working interview where new cooks come in, they kind of test your metal, see if you fit in. Actually, it's really just free labor for the <laughs> restaurant. They're just going to make you do a bunch of like, a bunch of bullshit and and tell you that it's a test, but it's really not. Depending on where you're at, but most of the time it's that. I think your sister has another question. Sorry for getting really close to the camera because I have my phone in front for Instagram. What do you guys think about the future of the food industry post COVID? That is a good question. It's, you know, with the vaccine rolling out and also speaking of COVID, Charlie is vaccinated. I just got a test recently on negative. So we're okay mm -hmm. being close, but either way, <laughs> uh, as far as the food industry goes, I think it's going to change it for the better in some ways. I think a lot of restaurant owners are realizing they don't need maybe the staff that they did. They can cut back on a lot of stuff to help their businesses be more sustainable. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting to see what'll happen. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, 
like the like the latter end of last year, right? Is like you know more and more talks of like the vaccine are going to come out and like the uncertainty. Mm -hmm. I feel like people are like you know there's going to be years. It, like they sounded like it was going to be like the apocalypse. Like the service industry is decimated and won't come back until 2025. And I'm like, mm. I've I've been maybe um, you might not have like what you had. Yeah, like probably 2019. Not. It's been. It's just been really interesting. I've been amazed at how restaurants have adapted to stay afloat. Oh my gosh. To do whatever they need to do, whether it's to go or the ingenuity. The mark like a lot of like daisies. Have you ever heard of daisies? Yeah. Uh, they set up a whole marketplace. Yeah. You know, because his his brother owns a farm actually in Michigan. Mm -hmm. Frillman Farms. He has really awesome stuff. Shout out to Frillman Farms. You can get his stuff online. He makes trips to Chicago. Really great produce. He does eggs. It's really awesome. Um, he's not paying me to say this. I just know his product. We, we, we used him at North Pond and he has really great products, but, um, yeah, they, they opened a market. A lot of, I know Yugen down to, or in West Loop mm -hmm. did that. They had like a whole little market you could go into to get to go stuff. And yeah, it's been really incredible to see the restaurants survive. And unfortunately we, there's been too many that didn't make it out. It's true. Which is unfortunate. Um, Blackbird for me, that was a oh my gosh, that was a tough one. I'm that was one of the most incredible places. Yeah, I've ever I'm been still upset that they they shut down. Uh, I'm happy that Chef Ryan is doing sandwiches now. I was yeah. want I wanted him to do sandwiches, but um, <laughs> it's a bummer that I don't get to. I would tell everyone about Blackbird. I was like, we got to go when you come to town. We're going to Blackbird, and I can't even do that. Or like you know, you think about like uh, like our friend Sam. Remember the culture boxes? Yeah. He's made, it's a whole business now. Oh, really? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. I wanted to get a hold of Sam. Actually, I wanted to have him try to get him on the show. Oh, yeah. He's... Sam's watching. <laughs> sister has another question. Charlie, what notable chefs have you cooked with? It's a good question. Oh, my gosh. Besides me. Besides you. I'm not notable. So um, I have... I've actually... I had the pleasure of cooking for Charlie Trotter one time. That's a big one. That was pretty cool. And to see that kitchen is amazing. What was that like, though? All of her oh horror gosh. stories of working there. But he it, was just I mean, the, it is demanding, all the people that work there. Not to, not to bash any people that have worked there, but it's it's a very big culture. I mean, they it is food. It is food first. Yeah. I mean, food, people, they are there. That is their life. Did they have... Three stars? Did they have three stars? They, they had nice stars. They, they had stars. I think it was like one or two. I It could have been three. I forgot. I don't remember if they... I can't remember oh if Alenia was the first. Since I wrote uh, listen to his book. I, I don't remember if if they were the first Michelin... Or not the first Michelin restaurant, but the first three star. Mm -hmm. Or if Alenia was. I don't remember. So if anyone's watching and they want to look that up, please let us know. Um yeah, Charlie Trotter was like a legend in Chicago for the longest time until he kind of got in trouble for not paying his cooks and being a complete ass. But that's true. You know, that comes with the territory, unfortunately, with a lot of chefs. I mean, he was brilliant. His food was really great. Oh, a yeah. lot of those type of people are assholes. It's true. But um, that's really cool, though, that you got to work there or at least go there once, like your yeah. stage, um, whatever. Uh, Stephanie's big one. 
me and you. And right. We, I mean, that's that's stuff. where Charlie and I'm at working at a little go for Chef Stephanie Izard, who I also want to try to get on the show. But I know she's incredibly, incredibly busy all the time. Well, she's opening up her place in I know. LA. She's in L.A. right now, so it's like uh, maybe. She's always on the move. Never. She's always on the move. She's never in. I don't that's think true. I could get her to sit down to talk for her whole entire hour. So oh. maybe one day we'll talk about it. But so was that like the first like full-time job you had with like a big name chef? So yeah, that was the first like to like kind of like back up for like when I, when I staged, when I was going through all my stages um, for a job, when I moved downtown, I staged at the private events up in, uh, at Little Goat. Oh, okay. And so I was, you know, they thought I was really good. So I started working there a little bit, but they wanted me to, um, because they started going to the, uh, slow season, mm -hmm. which is kind of like, you know, fall, winter. Yeah. Um, and that's how like, they asked me to be the, the sous chef, uh, the prep sous down there at little goat. I mean, and then that's kind of like where my, my experiences and learning from her kind of like blew up. Okay. So, um, I mean, it would, she's just, she's an incredible person. She really is. I mean, she's like not human. I know. Julia looks it up. Uh, Trotter's Charlie Trotter had two stars. So thank you. you. Thank you, Julia, for looking at that. So Alenia was the first three star in Chicago. But yeah, um, working for Stephanie is it's really cool. It was uh did you know anything about her like before going there? I'm gonna be honest with you, I did not I'm so out of the like like even being from Chicago, you didn't yeah, know who she was. Like, like I knew of her, but mm -hmm. I did not know her success until mm -hmm. I started working with her. Okay. And like, I've never actually, I mean, I've never actually met a chef owner who is so incredibly involved with their restaurants and has so many, but still makes the time yeah. to make it personal for you. And to help you develop yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, she's when I, I had Jeremy on a mm -hmm. few weeks ago, and yeah, I mean, she just go, you know, she's at every tasting every night. Yeah. And if she's not, she's never going home for service. She's always at one restaurant at least yeah. for service. I feel, and most of the time, she spent a lot of time at Girl on the Goat, which makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, she worked the line with us at Little Goat which is really cool. I've never seen a head chef just jump on the line and know, like right? work a fry station. Like that's, I mean, she always worked the sandwich station. That was always her thing. And then she always, whenever she worked on the line at Little Goat, she always made it seem so, um, so flawless. Yeah. She definitely put some people to shame. That's for sure. I know, she would, she would be like, you know, working in such like emotion. Yeah. And then everybody else would be like, yeah, well, she was fire. she was always very deliberate. Like, yeah, she I wouldn't say she moved and, with a purpose. Yeah, and no offense, Stephanie, she wasn't the fastest on the line, mm -hmm. but like, it was gonna come out perfect. Oh yeah, like there was no shortcuts. She's like, I'm gonna take the time to butter this bread, yep. to make sure it's toasted evenly and everything, so it's going out absolutely perfect, and that's how it should be, mm -hmm. for sure. Um, and yeah, it was just. I definitely have never seen some, if I went and tell her like, Hey, we had a call out and we don't have anyone to come on the line. We're oh, going to yeah. be short. She'd be like, all right, well, I'll definitely be there. Excuse me. Excuse me. And that was really cool. And like, I didn't even know that much about 
Stephanie, I had seen her on Iron Chef Gauntlet mm-hmm. in, when I was living in Jacksonville. Like, I had no idea who she was. I was like, oh, she's from Chicago. That's cool. And I had interviewed – no, I had uh, – I staged there when I first moved. And I was, and that was after I staged at Alinea. And I was like, it was really cool. I was like, I definitely like the vibe more because <laughs> people were having fun. They were like smiling and joking. Alinea, everyone was just heads down, super stressed. It was an extremely stressful kitchen. And like going to Girl in the Goat, it was just like, oh, people are just having fun here. Yeah. It was really great. I couldn't go at that time because I came to Chicago and I had to go to Alinea. Because that's just, I had to. <laughs> um, but I ended up coming back, you know, when Little Goat had an opening for a sous chef position. I was like, mm-hmm. I'll see what happens. And, you know, they took a chance on me. And I, even Stephanie said, like, she was only giving me two weeks. She's like, coming from, like, Michelin, usually Michelin chefs. And yeah. we, we had a few who came from top restaurants who came in, and they did not last long. Because they couldn't adapt to what was okay. happening with with little go is you know the food's not the same yeah but it's like still the same amount of care that you should put into it but they just didn't like the structure of it and so we lost a lot of people and that's what she thought was going to happen with me and don't get me wrong it was a tough transition it was really hard oh yeah but it was great i was you know my quality of life improved so much more oh yeah working for her i got time off i didn't have to like feel bad about it and so it was really nice um i know but you still walked around with those tweezers Tweezers are extremely handy on the line, all right? It's just like a spoon. Right? I know you mean it's they're, so practical. They're more, they're, they're more precise than like tongs are. And even if you have tongs, like they're just nice. <laughs> they're just nice. And yeah, some of the dishes that I did, some of the specials I did a little ago, I did want to have a little flair and put my own little fine dining twist on it. That's what I wanted to do. But it's fine. <laughs> I couldn't completely let go of it. Yes, mom, I agree. She is an extremely confident chef. She knows what she's doing. She knows food. And I, I binge watched like one weekend or one of my days off. I just binge watched her top chef season. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, like she sucked honestly at the like quick fire challenges. Mm-hmm. She'd never won. She was like so terrible. She always was in the bottom, but like on like the big main challenges, she crushed it every time. She was oh, always yeah. on the winning team. And it's like, that's yeah. So she was a really, she was really great to work for. Oh, wholeheartedly. Yeah. So when, after going to like Trotters, you know, or even like the country club, which is, I would say probably a little more fine dining than Mm -hmm. like Little Goat or the goat restaurants are. Like, did you like get that bug at all? Because I know when I was coming up, I was like, I got to go Michelin. I want to be that very top thinking Michelin was the best when it's, it's not. It can be depending on what you're having, but like it's not the best yeah. around. But some people want that. Like, was that something that you were it trying was... to chase? So, the cuisines that like even when I started when I was in in the high and then like junior in high school, mm-hmm. I started in fine dining basically. Yeah. Um, and I I love that. I love the meticulous. Like, you know, we're gonna do some cool flavors. We're going to do some interesting things. Mm-hmm. We're going to try to do some cool things going forward. Yeah. Um, and I felt like Little Goat was something different. It was, you know, obviously it's not fine dining. And I was like, you know, I want that experience. And, you know, I was able to have so many really good, successful experiences there. Um, but I, I was not going as 
I didn't really have that niche to go fine dining mm-hmm. initially when I was down there. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I was at little go for four years, which is a little bit longer than most chefs stay at one place. But, you were, yeah. You were there, but I just, your time. I, that's a good thing though. I just, I just loved what I was doing. Yeah. Even though, you know, there would be some, you know, there's some good days, there's some bad days, but in the end of the day, I was just like, you I know, mean, I, I'm doing some cool stuff and it yeah. made me feel really proud of what I was doing. Right. I mean, that's restaurant life, right? Murphy's law is especially true in restaurants and mm-hmm. something, if something's going to go wrong, it will or whatever that actually is. But, and that's pretty much every day in a restaurant, something's going to go wrong. Oh yeah. Like nothing ever goes right. Especially with dishwashers. Always dishwasher call out. That was just consistent. That was very consistent, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, well, your sister has another question. What's the weirdest thing you have ever eaten? That's a good question. Oh, geez. Um, that was actually, uh, I think it was like crickets or, oh, I'm trying to remember. Oh my gosh. I think it was crickets. It was like bugs. I like, I've tried a few bugs mm-hmm. and it's just, I guess they check them. Really? I was say there's probably not much to them. There's uh, protein. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what they're for. I would say for me, it's either, I had maybe squirrel growing up or Ooh. it has squirrel and that tastes like chicken too. Uh, or I had uh, smoked whale, which is like Ooh. it was not good. It was gross. Oh well, I have it was had a little ostrich. Too... Ostrich? Yeah, I've heard ostrich is good. It's really lean. <laughs> is it? I would think so. I mean, they're just muscle. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question, though. So, obviously. What happened with the, you were at Little Goat for four mm-hmm. years, but that stopped because of the pandemic. Yeah. So back in last March, um, along with a bunch of other food service people, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the hospitality scene kind of went to a screeching halt. And so um, I, it, w- it was really good because I felt like, you know, as, as determined and how much time consuming you know, the industry is, it was right. really nice to like, it was, it was nice. It was nice it was to have nice a time relax. off. Yeah. yeah. It was nice to ha- have a little bit of a time off and relax yeah. um, and kind of readjust and figure, figure out what I wanted to do going forward. Yeah. Because, you know, I feel like when you, when you're grinding day after day, it's kind of hard to go home and be like, okay, well, wh- what am I going to do next? Yeah. What am I going to do next? I mean, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people in our position or industry were trying to figure that out of like, yeah. No, I do because for the most part, food service was always like that was a safe bet. Yeah, people are always going to have to eat. You never. Well, that's the thing. It's right. Like, we didn't ever think we'd have to worry about our jobs. Yeah. Like, there's always going to be a restaurant, and then pandemic, and it's like, oh crap! Like, what are we going to do? So I'm sure so many people freaked out. I know, like, I was kind of freaking out. I had a restaurant like kind of lined up, and then that kept getting pushed back, mm-hmm. and then. They are opening now. I'm not going to be opening with them because mm-hmm. I've been doing other things. But it was, yeah. I mean, it was like, yeah, what the hell are we going to do? Well, um, like, for for me, like, I was like, okay, June rolled around. And I was yeah. like, okay, you know, pe- people kept saying, oh, by this time, things should be looking. Right. So I started looking and I was just like, okay, there's no jobs. There's no jobs. There's yeah. no jobs. And then I started going on some stages. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you get furloughed? 
Yeah, I got furloughed. Okay. And then, like, what happened with, because I know with Stephanie, she has four restaurants in Chicago now, right? Yeah, four. Five with Sugar Goat, I guess. That's yeah. not really a restaurant, but mm -hmm. bakery. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure she had to. I know Little Goat wasn't really on the docket to, like, open, or at least it was going to be scaled yeah. way, way back. Um, so did you, did you get laid off from being furloughed, or, like, what so, happened? With, why, did, like, why weren't you asked to come back? So back in, like, it was, like, July, uh, I, I kept asking some other people that uh, got furloughed with me. Mm -hmm. And she, you know, they just basically said that due to, like, how much money we're making, because they transitioned to meal kits. Yeah, right, due, yeah. Due, due to that, mm -hmm. um, they had to cut about, like, 75% is what they told me of their staff. Wow. So um, she, you know... Uh, I looked back at, like, at first I was like, oh, my gosh, this is, like, really bad. But she mm -hmm. actually, uh, I was actually, you know, really happy that she kept the people that had children. Yeah. She kept those people. Yeah. And I was like, that's good because, you know, those people need a little bit more support. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and so I, it was a little bit devastating. Um, but I kind of was just like, you know, this is, this is my next, this is going to push me to, like, what am I going to do next? like yeah definitely and so i kept looking mm -hmm. after that um and it was very much like like i applied to so many places and some places yeah. were just like oh we're just not gonna hire and i'm like mm -hmm. okay. yeah i was in the same boat i i applied through the summer had to be over 100 places and it was like target starbucks mcdonald's like Anywhere, even in, even in the winter, I was like, they'd be, you know, stores be looking for seasonal help. I'm like, yeah. oh, great. Definitely get in there. They just need anybody. Mm -hmm. Nope. Nope. I was like, all right, well, luckily, unemployment kept getting extended. I know. It was nice. <laughs> it, it was, it was like super nice, but I was just like, you know, I, I feel like there's a value of having a job though. Yeah. As, mu as much as it is, it's like, you know, it's nice to like have unemployment and like, you know, do the time, you know, it, it's nice to be able to like not really do that much. You can do whatever you want on the side. And then there's, there's some financial help yeah. through this. Yeah, definitely. I but know I was kind of like driven to like, I really wanted to work. Yeah. Um, See, I was kind of the, the other boat. I was like looking for that way of like, how can I work for myself? That's kind of mm -hmm. like why I started the YouTube channel. Cause I was like, I, not that I have a problem with having a boss, but it was like, I wanted to work for myself and I wanted to work on what I wanted to work on. Mm -hmm. And any restaurant I've been in, even if I've been in a, a higher position, it's like, you know, it's not yours. No matter how much, how far you move up, it's, oh, not, yeah. it's never going to be yours. And so like, it was kind of, 2020 honestly was kind of like, I don't want to say relieving, but it was like, it was very eye-opening of like, well, mm -hmm. what can I do now? Like, what should I be doing? Um so it was really great. And I like I, I knew I needed to get back to work. So I was like, I didn't want to be on unemployment forever. Um, but it was, you know, it was tough. Yeah, it was tough. I mean, something that like came up when I was looking for jobs. I'm not sure if this happened for you. But like a lot of the places, like I would be like applying for a manager position, even if it was like, you know, a low like floor manager that's yeah. part time or something like that. Mm -hmm. They, whenever I went in, it would start with the manager position that you went in for, and it ended with, Hey, well, we're actually looking for a part time busser or yeah. part time line cook. And I'm just like, This is 
But see, it's funny. But I, like they were trying to get people in the door. But that's what, like, I was actually applying for those jobs. Okay. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. low-level line cook, dishwasher. I applied for, like, literally anything I saw come across. So I was like, whatever. I'll do it. I don't mm-hmm. really care. I just need to make money because I wanted to put money back into unemployment. So just in case something yeah. happened, but I still didn't get anything. I honestly think it was mainly because of my age. Mm-hmm. They knew I wasn't going to be there long. And they probably was like, well, he's got a lot of experience. He's older, so maybe he'd ask for more money. But really, it wasn't. I just wanted to. I was like, I just need to get a job. I just need something. Sure. Um, so I'm going to sidetrack here. Norris Gallagher. I don't know you, Mr. Gallagher. Do you know That's Mr. my cousin. Okay, I was going to say, I don't know. <laughs> favorite dish to prepare and why. Also, least favorite to prepare and why. So um, my favorite dish to make is uh, sous vide red snapper with Ooh. olive oil and crushed garlic um and weirdly enough i i really really i like pasta i eat pasta like every day so i like homemade I, I, I like i like oh yeah well, <laughs> I, I i like making homemade spaghetti um and then it's kind of whatever vegetable I'm feeling for that day is kind of like my favorite dish to make yeah. if I'm in a restaurant. And then my worst is pretty much whatever, like is like super labor intensive. Yeah. Like when it, like when a di- like when a dish like could be a little bit more simple, but then it's like you're, it's over-complicated. you're, you're just overcomplicating that. Yeah. Kind of like the, uh, the pickles, the fried pickles and onions, a little goat. Yeah. So delicious. That was just, that was so terrible to make. Like, it wasn't labor-intensive because I was just battering, but it was, like, one by one. Yes. You couldn't just do, like, a handful, throw it in. They weren't ready, already breaded. Like, it was battered individually, 14 pieces into one fryer. Mm-hmm. You couldn't use any other fryer. That was a nightmare. I did not like it. I hated that. Making it, it was delicious. I loved eating it. I know those pickles and onions were good. They were really good. That curry mayo, oh, that was good. That was good. I think about that curry mayo sometimes. Like, that was a really good recipe for curry mayo but yeah very nice and then your sister has a few questions is there any food you would struggle to cook that's a good question um i don't know that is a very hard question that is because i guess you know what i guess i'll try to simplify this if you're okay with this like what food do you think you struggled with the most um of like learning a new skill like what was like just really hard for you to grasp it, I it, it it was basically the temperatures it was the hardest thing for me to grasp for like steaks and yeah stuff? for like steaks. temperatures like okay like, hey, I want like a medium well steak and it's yeah. just like you know people are like you know you use you, you know the, I mean I've heard so many so many different things, different just things like and I'm like oh yeah like, this oh, is medium here. and I'm like t- yeah. touching I'm like that doesn't feel if you were I'm assuming that happened in the country club because country clubs are known oh, for steaks. Fillets on fillets. I know, fillets. right? Oh god. We at TBC <laughs> we did it was New York ribeye and fillet. Yeah. And I love a good New York and I love a good ribeye, mm-hmm. but fillets are like I've had a really good fillet. One of the best fillets I ever had was here in Chicago at the Renaissance Hotels with my mom, and it was incredible. We were we showed up super late. It was just late at night. The restaurant was basically closing. We were those people, but there was like nowhere to go where the hotel was. We couldn't mm-hmm. just go out and 
you know, they made me a filet and had like a sweet potato hash brown underneath. It was delicious. But I know, did you have the same thing? Like, I know when I worked at the country club, like I always use a thermometer. Yes. For steaks. But there's so many people that would be like, oh, you use a thermometer? Why are you just going by touch? That was... Did you have that same kind of experience? I liked... I, I think that, you know, I'd rather be... I, I wanted to be right with a thermometer than, like, you know, I know feel, like, I don't know. I just... I mean, I can do it by feel, but when, like, you're starting out, I would tell people this all the time. If I was training somebody... Well, that's new, what they kept saying is that, like, no, you have to figure it out, figure it out. And well, it's just but like, how are we're, you... We're going to go through product then. Well, this is, <laughs> this is what I would teach cooks who were coming, if they were taking over the grill mm -hmm. station, is, like, use your thermometer at first, hook it... Feel it, know the temperature, and then touch it. Make yeah. that assimilation in your mind so it's like, all right, I know this temperature, then I know what it feels like. Because, mm -hmm. like, how else are you really going to know? Or you're yeah. just going to waste product because you're either going to overcook it. I mean, if you undercook it, it's not a big deal because you can just keep cooking it. But you're going to overcook it nine times out of ten because you're not going to know when to pull it off sure. to let it rest. And that was always a big thing of people are like, why are you using your – like, the whole myth of, like, if you stab a steak, all the juices come out. It's like, that's not how muscles work. Yeah, that's not. It's like, it's very silly. <laughs> it's like, and so it's like, if you're starting out, just use a thermometer. It's not that big a deal. It's fine. Um, yeah, that, that's a decent one. Uh, you know, it's a, a interesting one. Not that people like struggle with it, but like eggs. Oh, yeah. Getting a properly made egg if you go out to eat is actually like kind of hard to find because people think eggs are just like the easiest thing. But they're not to do them properly. Like you need to know oh, yeah. what you need to know what you're doing. The proper temperature for an omelet is over easy. Anything like that, and it's like, yeah. I mean, I've seen people mess up eggs all the time. Oh yeah. And I mean, scramble. Well, that's it. what you got to start on. You got to start on eggs and then work your way up. Well, if you do go to culinary school, that's like a normal thing because that's mm -hmm. very French is to learn. Even though the way they teach omelets is not French omelets, at least yeah. Pardon me. The way I was taught was not how French make omelets. It was kind of interesting. And like, there's the American omelet, and then there's a Japanese omelet, which I have yet to perfect, and then the French omelet. And there's just I like, haven't tried the Japanese one, but those look pretty cool. They look really cool. And I finally bought some of those like really big like cooking mm -hmm. chopsticks, and I'm really excited. I really do want to try doing that like really nice like swirl with the eggs, but. Yeah, eggs are. I'm. I still struggle with eggs. Like I can make good eggs, but mm -hmm. like to do them perfectly, like time and time and time again, it's definitely a skill set. It's tough. It is. Yeah, and I think I did a career day for at uh, Julie's nonprofit, mm -hmm. and people were like, oh well, you know, all I can do is cook eggs, and it's like that's good. Like that's a great starting point. If you know how to make eggs, even scrambled eggs, like that's a really that should be a point of pride for people. Eggs are really hard to do. I agree about X. Thank you. Favorite Drew Kane catchphrase. I don't know any of his catchphrases. Do you know any of Drew's catchphrases? You were Drew, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember any of his catchphrases. The gobble gobble, you know it? Gobble gobble, yeah, that's right. Oh, that's, the, that's the big one. That was the big one. Gobble gobble. Well, if you're out there, 
Drew, hope you're doing well. Or the or White Claws, the catchphrases that came up with White Claws. I never heard those. Oh, you didn't. Remember? No, oh, you didn't hear those. I don't think I heard those. I didn't. I didn't work with Drew that much. Like he came to Little Goat for a little while, and because he was just going to be mm -hmm. at, at Cabra, or he was supposed to open the. He did open the, the Taqueria. Taqueria. I don't. I'm, is that so? That can't be gone because they're not doing sports right now. Well, they are, but I'm sure that's not open. That's true. Know. But either way. So, you know, pandemic happened, trying to find out what you're doing. What are you doing now? So, um, I basically, for, for like, with luck, I, um, I found a job. Uh, I did, for some reason, I just decided I wanted to kind of look into, like, hospitals. Mm-hmm. Because I thought, you know, that might be a different food industry thing. And it's a different skill set. I've never worked in one. I've mm -hmm. never really thought I would be working in one. Yeah. But I got a job as a um, sous chef at a, uh, at a like, a small, like, average, medium uh, hospital down in, like, the South Shore. Okay. Um, and it it's different. Mm -hmm. It's a lot more relaxed. But it's it's pretty cool to like experience like you're like making food for people who are in a hospital and you like, you know, you, you actually take pride a lot more in your food because it's just like, you know, those people are like, I've actually had people rave that like, you know, my, my, because we have to make uh low sodium eggs yeah. Also, FYI, there's no salt in any of the food that we have to make, so that was a big adjustment that I had to do. Really? I thought that was like the whole thing with like hospital food is you had to over salt because yeah. it's usually older clientele who are in there and they can't taste anything, so you have to load it with salt. But really, no well, that, salt. Well, that's why I was I, at first. I was like, oh, you know, I'm gonna taste this, and like, you know, working for Stephanie. I mean, she. I mean, they have you really got salt. I mean. So if you got like, Stephanie's badges, man, if you would have went to a linear, that was just like, anytime I went for something, it was just like handfuls. Then another <laughs> one just for good luck. And then by the time I got to the last show, I'd be like, this is too salty. Was, I'm out. So, I mean, it, it was a little bit of an ad adjustment, but like, you know, you really, I feel like p you have more and more people rave about your food. And, you know, it, it was like, you know, you actually get a lot more feedback. Surprising enough, because That's they good. because I did not know this until I started working there that they actually pride themselves on like quality of their food because they actually get ranked. Oh wow! Nationally. That's interesting. That's so, really cool. I mean, it makes sense that you would get good reviews because a lot. You know, if you're in a hospital, it's not a great situation to be in if you're just. I know. For whatever reason, you're in a hospital for a long time. That's true. That stinks. And so if you, you know, a good meal can really like turn things around, like, you know, Oh yeah. It's like getting a really great hug. It's like having this like great meal. And so like, obviously hospitals are not known for having really good food. I feel like that's been changing though. That's what they were telling yeah. us in culinary school of like, people, you know, hospitals want better food because the people, the patients want better food. Like nobody, mm -hmm. you know, and so like, that's, that's good that you kind of have that people who really want it. A lot of times in restaurants, people are there because of the status of the restaurant or whatever the case may be. And, mm -hmm. you know, they're not really thinking about the effort that goes into actually making the food. So to get, like, actual good feedback and praise is, like, it's nice. Yeah. It's really great. Especially if you're the one actually doing it versus, like, you know, if you go to a 
a restaurant with a big fancy name, you know, they're thinking, oh, this chef is so incredible, even though they're not the ones that actually cook your food that are is right in front of you. Yeah. And so it's kind of and that was that was one thing I, I definitely enjoyed about Little Goat was of how their their kitchen is kind of it's kind of open. Mm-hmm. Just because you can see into it. And the people who sit at the bar right up front, like you, you can hear them. They don't yeah. know that you can hear them half the time. Oh, yeah. They would be talking about the craziest stuff. But like, um, but yeah, I would hear them say like, oh, I don't know what to get this or that. And I would like yell out and be like, get this, get this. Like it's, it's, it's good. And like, it was always nice to be able to like kind of give those recommendations, especially when they did love it. There was a guy specifically, I remember he was trying to decide between the patty melt or the tonkatsu. And I was like, get get the tenkatsu. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, not the not to downgrade the patty melt because the patty melt is delicious. But it's like you can get a patty melt almost anywhere, but you cannot get a tenkatsu sandwich anywhere. And that thing was so good. I I miss that sandwich. Were you there when I had to go out and explain to those? Uh, I was supposed people? to. I was supposed to go out, but we got <laughs> slammed at the same time of needing to make like thirteen <laughs> okonomiyaki pancakes and the tenkatsus. And it was like right in the middle of changeover, and they were like, "Yeah, you need to go explain it." And then like I'm all over the line. And I, all I remember is that you guys came down. And you're like, Can and then you go I talk didn't, to this I table? didn't even know that you went out there. Somebody was like, "Yeah, we just asked Charlie to go do it." And I'm like, <laughs> "Okay," because I I just had no time to do oh, it. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I was I thought I was just like, well, like what am I gonna have to say? And I was like, some of it was just like. <laughs> I didn't even right know. Ass, I had to like, look. I had to look stuff up. I'm like, I don't even know what okonomiyaki means. It basically means you can cook anything. Well, luckily enough, I actually saw like the street. I started watching street food, so okay. I kind of had a little bit of just of like, oh yeah, it's I googled street it. food. I was like, they were like, yeah, you need to come talk to these people about like what this food is, and like, I, I honestly don't know like really what it is. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, what does okonomiyaki mean? Like, oki means cook, and nomiyaki is like anything or something like that mm-hmm. and so yeah because it's street food so it's like it's made and there's two now that i know more about okonomiyaki there's two different regions and they're completely different and i can't remember the regions in japan but there's two different ways you can do an okonomiyaki pancake and the one we did was better i thought than the other one the other one's like layered has like noodle it's much bigger oh geez. it's got like so many different layers of stuff and then ours is the one at little go was more like an actual pancake but Nice. It was really cool. Okay, okay, I see you. Sorry, Instagram. All right. I'm not sure who that is, but thank you for watching. Um, so you're working in the hospital now. What's you know? What are your plans for the future then? You think this is a long term thing? You trying to go um, back to the goats? I, I, the neck. I haven't really taken a lot of time to like realize where I'm going to go from here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of want to like, I'm like, it's pretty cool. Like what I'm doing there and I'm learning a little bit of a different part of the industry that I, I get, I know a lot of people have never really worked in the hospital. Right. Um, but I eventually want to, go back into the industry and try to do something that focus a lot more on like sustainability. Like I kind of want to get a little bit more in depth with it. I want to get a little bit more like, even if it's just like me being like, like, like helping with like sourcing and getting to know rest, like different farms different around vendors that. and stuff like yeah. local vendors. 
Um, yeah, I mean, that's... But, um, I don't know. It, it, for right now, I'm, I, I'm uncertain of what the, of, like, what the right time would be to go in. Yeah, I mean, the industry, you know, everything's a little uncertain right now. We're gonna, you know, I feel like we're in a better place and we're oh, yeah. headed, headed in a better direction with the vaccine rolling out. I feel like there's more people who want it than don't. And I think that's going to be for the better. And so I think restaurants will get back to somewhat of a somewhat normalcy. And hopefully, you know, I just wonder like when, because I know like, I, yeah, it's, I think it all depends on how we can get this. You know, people just need to get the vaccine. It's true. I, I, that's just kind of it. People have to get the vaccine. And if, I don't know. I'm not trying to. I know. No. I don't it's wanna, uncertainty. Like, I'm not trying to advocate for anything. You do what you want to do. You know, I'm scheduled. I got an appointment to get it next week. So I'm excited. Nice. That, yeah. I'm excited to get it and hopefully be part of the solution, not the problem. Joe. But and no offense to if you don't want the vaccine, but it's fair. It's fair. Just, just get it. It's fine. Your sister has another question. Oh Full gosh. of questions. What's something you would say to a young chef coming up? Uh, I would say have humility and be patient. Patience is a good one. You're not going to be a rock star out of the gate. Take your time. Trust me. Uh, because when I worked at uh, an experience that I had, um, uh, I remember it was my sophomore year of culinary school. I had to get an internship. And it's, I literally had nothing lined up and I was like scrambling. Mm -hmm. And so I found something through the publican. Okay. And so I was like, oh my gosh, this is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, Brian Houston. Yeah. He's doing some pretty cool stuff right now. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And I, I went there and I found out that they had three other interns and I'm just like, okay. I felt like I was just like the petty intern that they were just like, okay, well, we just want to make sure that we're accepting people. And, and so luckily enough, I actually didn't work in the publican. I actually worked across the street at the publican quality meets. That's cool. And then they told me that I, they've never had an intern there because of the heavy machinery that they use mm. for cutting up different parts of the meat. Yeah, like bandsaws and stuff. But to see that operation, to see them break down a half of a cow. That's cool. Was unreal. I'm sure. That's really cool. The whole the whole butchery thing. To do like whole animal butchery like that. I mean, it's a half. It's not a whole cow, but still. True. Like that's really cool that they do that. Um, I didn't even know for the longest time that they did all that stuff in the basement. Like I only learned it recently because Julie and I went there for lunch one day mm -hmm. and the bathroom's downstairs. Yep. And I was like, Oh, this is where they do everything. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, they get really got like, they were gone. I was like, this is really cool. Like that bacon that we got at little go. Yeah. I, I like, I saw how they make it and that is an extensive process. It better be for eight bucks a pound. Oh my gosh. I mean, like they are, it is. <laughs> I mean, it was, it really was good. really good bacon, but man, that is expensive. When I found, yeah, when I found it, it was $8. It was eight bucks a pound. I mean, it's, I mean, you, you could justify it, but. Yeah, <laughs> if they're doing it correctly and it's really good bacon, you know, you're not getting Oscar Mayer bacon or anything. No offense, Oscar Mayer. I've eaten your bacon. It's fine, but. But the sous chef there. 
he looked at me one day when I was leaving, and I yeah. something that I try to ask every chef now mm-hmm. before I leave, um, which I have never I have, wasn't able to ask staff, so that's uh-huh. something I'm gonna try to get back to her. If I'm okay. On. I mean, just walk around the West Loop. You're bound to run into her. I run into her like three times just being in the West Loop. But I I asked him, like, what's one thing that you would say to me, like, for an an up-and-coming chef like myself? Mm -hmm. And he said, humility. Yeah, that's fair. He basically looked at me and said, you young people that want to be chefs, he's like, you guys don't have humility. You guys just want to be the best of the best right off the gate. And he's like, it takes time. Just take time. I mean, there's something to say, like, I want to be the best right away. Cause I think you, I think you can have that mentality and still be humble and have humility, yeah. but still have that drive of like, I want to be the best, but I'm not going to screw anyone over. I'm going to do me and do what I have to do. I feel like we've all worked with that line cook or whatever, who's out for themselves and they're doing whatever they can to get ahead, but they're very easy to spot. Oh um, yeah, I agree. So like having humility, like I would say any young cook that wants to come up, I don't have, I mean, humility is a really great one, but read, um, I just, what am I blank? Anthony Bourdain's book, Kitchen Confidentials. I don't know. I just blanked on that. Good book. Read that book. Mm-hmm. Just read that book and it'll tell you, tell you pretty much everything you need to know, but Six words, six, seven words. I would say head down and shut the fuck up. It's true. Like when you go to a restaurant, you don't need to talk for a while. Just be shy. Just do your work. Be humble and just do what they tell you to do. But observe. Observe. Just learn what they do. Learn. Take it all in. If they ask you a question, talk. If they ask your opinion, say it. But for the most part, head down, shut up, do your work. It's kind of what it is. It's true. Yeah. And also another per uh I forgot who, who told me it was just like if you ever want to open up your own restaurant, make sure that you mess with other people's money before you mess with your own. I, mean, I know that yeah. sounds really bad, but someone said that to me and I kinda like It is see, I can see that point, but I can't at the same time because if you mess with somebody else's money, then you owe somebody else money. No, I'm not saying like, you know, <laughs> wasting like not hundreds of dollars, but I'm just like, if you're going to try to do something that you think's a little bit out, out in left field, do it with someone else's money, like on the special or something like that. Yeah. Remember, remember we did like that Indian stuff at Little Goat one time? No. Were you there? Indian stuff. No, not really. Oh, yeah, we had like, we, we had like stuff. an Indian dish that we ran the whole week and we only sold two. That was interesting. I don't remember. I remember. I mean, we did Thai curry for a special. Did Matt, you do? I did Thai curry. That sold like crazy. Oh my gosh! People Thai, are loving that. Yeah. yeah, green curry. That sold like that oh sold my. like crazy. I um yeah. I don't know about. I don't remember doing anything like specifically Indian. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I I know what you mean by that, and I can definitely agree. But at the same time, like I'd rather be in it for myself and not having to worry about paying someone else back. Mm-hmm. You know, like if I lose my, if I go in on my dime and I lose it and it's like, that's, it's, it's all on me. But if I go in on somebody else's dime and I fail, I still got to pay that money back. You know, that's true. I see both sides of it for yes. sure. It's kind of, it's a tricky one. Cause obviously with any restaurant, you're opening anything in a food service, it's going to cost a lot of money. Most likely you're going to need somebody else's unless mm-hmm. you're already doing well. 
Let's okay. see. What do you see changing in the kitchen post COVID? Um, I would say less cooks. Yeah. I feel like I, yeah, I ran, we ran into Stephanie a few weeks ago and she, we asked her that and she was like, yeah, I can run the kitchens on less people. Oh yeah. Which is like, it's good that, you know, they could save money that way, but also it's not for the people who need, need jobs. Need jobs. But, That's true. And so it's kind of, it's tough, but I, um, as far as what's changing specifically in the kitchen, I feel like it's going to go back to normal. Kitchens will stay the same. I I feel like it, there's going to be a different mentality. I feel like, you know, they do meal kits. I feel like people are going to try to sell a little, like they're going to, people are going to branch out on retail a little bit more to make up That's for fair. some of that lost cop. I think profits. so too. Yeah. Also, I feel like, I feel like restaurants are now going to have like that backup plan ready to go. Oh yeah. As like a just in case if something delivery is your new best something friend. like we're like, all right, we're good. We're setting up for delivery. We can do to go. Yep. Cause like seeing that, like Alinea did to go Grant Atkins never in his life dreamed he would do to go food ever. I mean, it, that is, you go there for an experience. You do. And so he was like, well, I'm, why would he offer to go for yeah. a restaurant like that? And then as soon as COVID hit, he's like, well, we got to do to go, which is great. And the food looked amazing. <laughs> oh yeah why less cooks uh i think it's just because they're realizing they can sustain on the less people they have and i don't know if that might change as restrict restrictions get less what do you think that they're going to try to keep more like they're going to try to weed out the less quality cooks possibly do you think the interview process would be a little bit more extensive at that point i think it, i think it all depends on i know like like you know, pre-COVID, it was just like bodies. Right. Most restaurants, it is. It's bodies. You just need bodies. Mm -hmm. Like, it, and it depends on the restaurant. A lot of restaurants do have like really high turnover. So it's just like mm -hmm. you just need bodies in the door. I feel like restaurants are the, the culture is changing a little bit. There's not as many of those like truly dickhead chefs that people don't want to work for. It's true. I feel like people are coming around like we don't want to be tyrants. You know, they want to be leaders and yeah. people are sticking around for longer. But as far as uh, maybe just restaurants are scaling back a little bit and may, that could change once things, if things ever open up back fully, then, you know, if they're taking more reservations, then they're probably going to need more help. But from what I've heard from people, they're realizing same with like office people. They're like, oh, yeah. why should we pay for an office when everyone can obviously just work from home? Well, that's what they were going to eventually do. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it. So I, I think that it's just that mentality of realizing they're working right now with less cooks. So they probably can continue to do that in the future. Mm -hmm. That's what I, that's my guess. Cause I mean, one of the biggest costs besides the food costs in restaurants is labor. Oh yeah. You have to keep labor down. If you want to make any profit, labor and food costs are your two biggest ones. 40 hours, man. <laughs> that's why most places like they do not want you to work overtime and then it's like yeah. i know at alinea they tried to like get us to take breaks it never lasted very long because it'd be like well i just need to do this and then it would just kind of like snowball because it's like i know right because then we get yelled at for not having stuff done but it's like you made me like leave for a half an hour it's like i have stuff to do so I know. It's, it's just interesting um yeah my mom said more outdoor dining which i also think is going to happen i think people will 
Well, right. like the igloos. Igloos, but I also think people are going to work on like making sure they have that patio. Oh, yeah. Or the sidewalk space to be like, well, we got to have people out on the sidewalk just in case. Like, I, I think people are definitely going to, I think restaurant owners should just be more cautious mm-hmm. as it comes up. All these good questions from Instagram. It's great. Does the front of the house feel safe in the current situation of COVID? Do you feel safe working currently? I can't really say specifically for front of house because I've never really worked front of house. I've worked like register and stuff, but like Mm -hmm. I've never been a server anywhere. So I can't really say how they feel. Well, remember the, remember Max that we used to work with? Yeah. I keep in contact with him and uh, he moves out of the city, right? Yeah, he moved to Charlotte. And oh, okay. He's uh, he's doing bartending and serving right now, and oh, nice. He he kind of told me. Um, I mean, I, to his grain of salt, he he told me f- through his experiences that it's he he feels safe, but he just he it depends upon the place. I mean, some places yeah. are like, keep your mask on until your food is here and then you can take it. Yeah. Some I think it definitely like would down. be a, a restaurant to restaurant basis. I know like the coffee shop where I work right now, we all wear masks. There's a temperature that we're, we're taking a temperature every day. Yep. Um, and I know, excuse me, my, my buddy Addison, he worked at Girl on the Go for a little while and they had to have a fresh new mask every day. They couldn't bring their own. They had one that was given to them. So they knew it was clean. And so I think with as far as pardon me, as far as front of house goes, I think it really would depend on the customer you were serving. Cause I've heard some horror stories about people coming in during COVID of like not wanting to wear a mask because it's the, whatever the excuses would be. So, I mean, yeah, like I said, I can't really say cause I don't work front of house, but I mean, I feel like as long as you're washing your hands and from everything we have learned about the virus, wearing a mask helps tremendously and just washing your hands and keeping your distance. And I feel like if people are doing that, they should feel safe. And if they don't, then they should ask to not be working. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's kind of tough, but let's see. Are you guys thinking someday you want to open your own restaurants? You go first. Uh, I fantasize about opening a restaurant for the longest time. Uh, I've had, kind of a few before i joined the navy i i inquired about a restaurant in my hometown it was like it's a like an AW like burger mm-hmm. drive-in it's not AW, it's like a local place and they were selling and i did go talk to them about it it didn't end up happening and yeah i've always thought about opening my own place but every time like i really dig deep into it it's just like it's so much money it will eat up my entire life. I will have no time to do anything else. So it's like, do I want to make that commitment or not? It's, it's all a time. Like for me also, a lot of people say like, well, what food are you passionate about? And it's like, I don't feel I have a passion for any specific food Mm -hmm. lately. I've like, I love cooking Asian food. That was one thing I definitely credit stuff for. I was like, I love cooking Asian food now. Um, Dumplings and noodles and everything. And so but would I open in like an Asian style restaurant? I don't know. When I think of a restaurant, I think, well, what's going to make me money? It's true. Like I'm thinking like, all right, I see a restaurant for sale in a location. What would work there? Not what do I specifically want to do? What would make money for this location? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of my thing. But then do I have the passion for that cuisine to actually make it thrive? So I don't know. Maybe the time's right. Um, 
I want to open up my own restaurant, um, but I just don't know what I want to do. I mean, I love Indian food. I love Indian food, but I love breakfast as well. Right. That's so, a breakfast place. Um, if I, I want to probably open up something like that does breakfast, but like, you know, I don't want it to be. I want to do some creativity. I don't want you to come in and just under it's, know that like it's just going to be boom, boom, boom. boom that's boom. tough though. I will tell you because I will go to a breakfast place and mm -hmm. if I don't see like basic breakfast stuff on there, I get mm -hmm. turned off because it's like sometimes that's exactly what you want. You don't want creativity. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I you know? love my French toast. Right, I love my but it's hard cakes. sometimes because some people want to elevate breakfast to this like whole new thing, which is great because some people do want that when they go out for breakfast. But then if they don't offer those very basic things, like if I can't get eggs, toast, and bacon, yeah, it's like I don't really want to be here because you're not offering me those very basic things that you can do with the food you have. Yeah, but you're not offering it, and so it's like breakfast places are kind of tricky in that sense. But I like, but I like the idea of a breakfast place because breakfast food is cheap. Eggs are cheap. Cheese is cheap. Flour is cheap. It's true. All that stuff's cheap. Bacon's can be very expensive, as we know. But you know, a lot of breakfast stuff is cheap. Sliced bread is cheap. Bacon bread's not that expensive. But either way, um, what's your favorite spots in the city for food these days? Oh, jeez. Um, I, would say, I would say my favorite food spots in the city are still the same, mm -hmm. whether they're open or not. Um, I mean, there's plenty of places I still want to go to. Um, we still go to Lonesome Rose, which is in Logan Square here. That's a really awesome, like, Tex-Mex taco place. Um, Big Kids, which is a part of Lula's Cafe. Mm -hmm. If you haven't tried it, it's awesome. That's Chef Ryan's from Blackbird. That's his spot. Um, I mean... Unfortunately, because of the pandemic and I mean, I'm getting married this summer and we're also like buying a house and moving. So we're trying to save money so we don't go out to eat as much. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, most of my favorite spots are still are still there, except for Blackbird is the one that like closed down. That's the biggest bummer. Shout out to Shale when we uh, when we lived down when I first moved to Chicago. We would go there. We lived near this place called Opart. Opart Chai, I believe. It was a Thai place. Mm -hmm. And this, I mean, like when you walked in, there was like they had their seats and everything set up. Mm -hmm. There was barely, there was like no one in there. Mm -hmm. They did a lot of like Grubhub and like deliveries. Yeah. So they were pretty much set for the times that we're in. But this Thai food was so good. I, you know, I, I do love Thai food and I love Indian. I love curries, mm -hmm. period. Um, and I used to just absolutely favor Thai curry, but lately I've been switching and I love, now I think more Indian curry. I don't know why. Maybe it's just in the winter because mm -hmm. Indian curry is like, I think really great for winter. And I think Thai curry is more summery. Um, but I actually have to ask you this because you love Thai or you love Indian food mm -hmm. in the city. I have not been, to, I've not ordered from, an Indian restaurant here in Chicago, if we've ordered something mild and it actually be mild. Everything I've ever ordered from an Indian restaurant in Chicago has always been mm -hmm. hella spicy. Have you experienced the same thing? Um, yeah, I mean. I mean, it's you, great. I love you, spicy food and I love spicy Indian food. And not everyone in our house does. Little India? No. Little India? Is that a restaurant or is that like a neighborhood? 
gosh, what street is it on? It's up uh like north, um like Edgewater, kind of like to Okay. Know, it's like right off of Damon. If you just take Damon all the way up, all right. then you finally get I to like, go that north. But you go to all these Indian restaurants, and I went with one of my friends um, who's Indian, um, and that was that was really good. You you it, if you you have to go where it is. Uh -huh. If you try to find a place like in like around the heart of the city, yeah. you're not going to get something as much as what you yeah. really want. I mean, I can't, I don't know Indian food that well to know like what's super good and what's not. A lot of the Indian food that we've had here has been delicious, but it's just, none of it's been mild, which makes sense because they don't really have mild food in India. It's mm -hmm. all pretty spicy. I just think it's funny though, because a lot of like in Michigan, a lot of the Indian foods, you definitely can get a very mild curry or mild like butter yeah. chicken or something. But man, everything we've ever ordered has been just so spicy. And sure. I love it because it's delicious. Not complaining, but I just think it's really funny. But oh yeah, Devon, Devon. Oh, that's the name of it. Uh, Devon's the street. Devon's the street. All the Indian restaurants, like all the right. two Indian in Edgewater, Devon Street in Edgewater. I also remember that because mm -hmm. I do get a craving for uh, Indian food every so often, especially non bread. Wow, I love non bread. Oh my gosh, some garlic non bread is so good, but. All right, we're about at an hour 17, so I guess we can kind of wrap it up here. Okay. I think we're good. Um, thank you, everyone, for watching, both on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, wherever you're watching from. Really appreciate you guys tuning in. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. I think it went really well. Yeah. I really enjoy doing the in-person interviews. I'm hoping to do more of them with more vaccinations and everything. It's just so much sure. easier to talk and, like, really get a feel for your guys' stories. So, Charlie, mm -hmm. thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate yeah, it. It's a pleasure. Uh, we'll have to do it again sometime. Yeah. In the future, maybe we'll do a, let's do like a live like cook off or something or something like that. I've been wanting to. That? I got that'll have to be the next thing I add to the channel is uh, cooking challenges, live cooking challenges. That'd be interesting, but <laughs> that'd be fun. Maybe once we once I move it into my new kitchen because I have really awesome design plans for it, so it's gonna look really cool on camera. But um, I'm excited to see. Yeah. All right. Well, Charlie, again, thanks. Really appreciate being here. Thank you all for watching. Um, hope you're staying safe out there. Get the vaccine. Let's get this over with so we can get back to some normalcy and see family and friends um, without masks and everything. So I um, hope everyone has a good night. And we will see you. Oh, next week. Almost forgot. Next week is actually a season finale. I'm going to take a few weeks off. Um, with the move and the wedding and everything. Uh, I'm going to get some more guests lined up. So I'm going to take a few weeks off to get everything straightened out. But next week, uh, the show's going to be on Friday, interviewing the host of the YouTube channel, Not Another Cooking Show. Very excited. He's kind of a big deal on YouTube. Pretty successful cooking channel. Check it out if you haven't. Um, but yeah, going to be interviewing him. So I'm excited about that. And yeah, that'll be all. So I uh, hope everyone has a great night. Stay safe, and we'll see you next week. See Have ya. a good one. Bye, everybody.